Welcome back to another episode of Rewilding for Women, where we talk in radical truths about the awakening path. I'm Sabrina Lynn, founder of Rewilding, and today's episode, it's an interesting one. It's not one that I would normally do as a podcast, um, reason being it's hmm, a little bit out there, not out there. It's talking about the awakening path, talking about practices, talking about archetypes, talking about goddesses um, in a way and to a degree and in a depth that is sometimes a little bit more than what I would typically choose to do in, in a podcast. Now, I know I've talked about goddesses before and archetypes, and we've gone into certain archetypes, but... This was originally intended to be held as a Facebook Live, but due to crazy Wi-Fi circumstances and just the way things shook out two days ago, uh, it has become our episode 73 podcast topic. So what the heck is this topic and why the heck would you want to listen to it? So I want to talk about that first before you start to go lover goddesses. Ah, Sabrina, goddesses, like, come on. I thought you were grounded. I thought we were doing this awakening thing in like a, in like a realistic kind of way, not this foo-foo la-la, often spiritual fluffy land. We are. We are. Just because the title is Who Are the Lover Goddesses does not mean that we've left the planet. It does not mean that we've gone off into unicorn farts and fairy tale lala things. Um, so let me explain why. Maybe that's the best way to go into this. Why? Why? Why work with archetypes? What's the big deal with this goddess stuff, anyways? What's the point? Um, what is it going to do for me practically? Like, let's make this practical. Let's make this real. Let's bring this to earth instead of talking about some Greco-Roman myth out there of like, oh, Psyche was having an affair with Eros, but Aphrodite, Venus was really pissed off, which is part of the myth. But how the heck does that relate to us? And why on earth would we be talking about this in relation to a spiritual awakening path in, rela in relation to becoming more of a conscious human being. Here's why. Archetypes hold such impersonal juice, meaning they open a door into our psyches, they open a door into our energetic systems that we oftentimes cannot get to going head on. Because of our deep ingrained patterning, because of our defense mechanisms, because of our protections, and because of the limited capacity of left brain logical mind, which is where we spend, I don't know, what, 70, 80, 90, 95, 96, 97, 98% of our time in, um, Archetypes are so powerful, can be so subtle, can be the way around the patterned rut that we get into. They can also help us to see self 
own parts of self walk into our shadow, our hidden realms, the, the bits that we do not want to see about ourselves. They can help us do that um, in a way that that most other modalities or most other forms of of introspection or reflection or um, self, uh, the path of know thyself, that most other ways can't, can't do. So let me take that another step further. Hmm, <laughs> this part I like. So now we're gonna get a little esoteric here. Some of these archetypal energies are very mon- mundane. Um, they can be on a very mundane level. Like you start, uh, for me, this is my humble opinion, and you can have a completely different one about this particular archetype. She might be your girl. But for me, Juno is an archetype that is a relatively mundane archetypal energy. It's like the archetypal energy of wife, right? But there's gifts there. But it's when I say mundane, I don't mean mundane in a bad way. I mean very, I like to call it like the lower archetypal realm. So it's almost a level of consciousness that's just above humanness. It, it kind of takes us into this impersonal place of feeling into the archetype, the energy. Archetypes are just an energetic imprint of wife, right? So it, it kind of takes us one step above being in our everyday waking consciousness. Is that making sense? So just one step above you kind of get impersonal with it. You're able to go up a notch and you're able to just kind of look down at self from a higher level of consciousness, from a more impersonal place and go, ah, okay, Juno, archetype of wife. What is that? What are the patterns of that? What is that showing me? Can I open up to more in there? Can I open up to some wisdom of the archetypal pattern of wife, right? Not a human expression, right? So not your mom's expression of wife or your grandmother's expression of wife or your expression of wife, but the archetypal expression of wife. And and specifically the archetypal expression of goddess wife. So when I, when I feel into that, that's more of a full, a full expression of wife, right? So it's, it's fuller. It's fuller than humanness or limited capacities of humanness. I hope this is making sense. So bear with me. I know I said we're getting esoteric, so this is where we start to move up. That's one level. So Juno is lower archetypal realm. Now we move up one more notch. And so now there are like higher octane goddess energies or archetypal energies, right? So now it's it's an archetypal energy that's of a of a higher consciousness. Yes? Okay, stay with me. Hold on, we're going. So here's human level of wife, your personal expression of wife. I'm just using Juno and we'll we'll talk about the goddess above her at that higher level, that higher state of consciousness in a second. But we're just using wife as an example before we go into all the lovers. We'll go into these two, but we'll also explore the other six and possibly the other four um, that are kind of sub-lover archetypal energies or, or, or goddesses. But 
here's human wife expression, here's Juno wife expression, which is just one step above. And there's things to learn here. There's gifts here. There's a, there's a fuller way of understanding wife. What does that mean by wife? Some of you might be hearing the term wife and you're like, Oh, this just hurts me. (laughs) But think about wisdom of union, wisdom of partnership. So, so ignore if, if wife is setting you off, Think about wisdom of partnership, and it doesn't have to necessarily be a marriage per se, but a partnership. And there's wisdom in how to be in a healthy partnership, how to be in a healthy relationship, a healthy union, a healthy marriage of sorts. Juno on that level can give us that wisdom, can open those energetic patterns in us, right? So going far beyond left brain logical mind of here's a strategy, a logical strategy to implement into your relationship. Those are, that's a, that's a beautiful, that's, that's therapy. That's beautiful. There's nothing against that, but that's not archetypal magic. (laughs) It's not even magic. It's not, it's not what the archetypes truly are able to gift us with or open in us. So it's, it's an alchemical, a very inner, a very deep alchemical awakening that happens when we start to experientially walk into these archetypes. We start to open to the shakti, right? The shakti of them, the, the, the juice of them, the electricity of them, which is in our bodies. And it's kind of how open are we to that, to all of these different archetypal energies, all of these goddesses, how awake are they in us? Um, and to me, what it is that they're doing is they are waking us up to more of our fullness, right? Which is what we talk about here, which is the aim of becoming more conscious, of becoming more awake. It's, it's enlightenment. I'm waking up to all of the parts that are not awake. I'm becoming more conscious. The vibration in me is rising. So that's what they do. Anyways, we've just talked about the human level. We've talked about Juno, lower archetypal realm. Now, along that same wife thread, we can go up one more level into what I like to call higher archetypal realm. And up there, you start to work or to move into goddess Parvati. So feeling into her comes a whole nother level of sacred. Now this is sacred union. This is divine union. This is not wife. This is above that. This is in a higher energetic place. And so when you work with that goddess energy, that Shakti, it's an awakening to divine union, an awakening to sacred marriage, an awakening to that capacity in self. It's opening those lines of energy in self, that wisdom within self, that capacity in self to step into what we call sacred sexuality, what we call sacred union with another, what what we often are craving but not knowing what to get to. Like, I'm, I'm longing to be met. I'm longing for my soul to meet and to make love to your soul. That's Parvati. That's what that archetypal realm opens up. That's the higher archetypal realm. So to me, the higher 
octane, the, high, the higher archetypal realms start to open us up to higher and higher and higher states of consciousness, right? Does it, is this making sense? If it's not making sense, switch your mind off and just listen with your heart, listen with your gut, right? Listen and feel into the wisdom of this because this goes way beyond words. When we start talking about lover archetypes and we start going into the energetics of all of these different archetypal energies, it is very much an embodied wisdom. It's a body wisdom. It's an energetic wisdom. It's a soul wisdom. It's a heart wisdom that starts to open up. So we can't just just be limited here. So I'm going to encourage you as we go through this, and I'm going to take us through and give us a taste, a taste of all of these different threads of Shakti, which are, which are the goddesses. But who cares? Throw that word out if that's freaking you out or you're like, Meh, too, too esoteric and out there for me. Feel into what this is doing in your body, right? What it's doing in your body. It's an energetic transmission of sorts. There is a potential here for that particular thread of Shakti to awaken in you, right? We talk about these monster spiritual awakenings and sexual awakenings and awakenings to full body orgasms. That's what these do. That's what these do on a totally practical level. These archetypal energies completely rewire your body. They open up your sexual centers. They heal your second chakra, your yoni, your womb. They open, they open all of that up. Our hearts, those of you who know you've got armored hearts, who know you've got protection around your heart, who, who find it hard to trust or hard to receive, right? Receive or hard to ask for help, right? These archetypal energies shift that. They change that and they change it from an inside out place. So from the deepest, deepest place within self to ripple outward, right? So the deepest place of, it's, it's soul work. You start working in, in this capacity with these energies, you are doing deep, deep inner work. You are doing big mama soul work. You are doing feminine reclamation to the nth degree. You are doing things that will rock your world, that will shift the whole of everything in your world. And I'm not just saying the whole of your inner world. The inner world shifts and the outer world has to shift. Your relationships change. Your work in the world changes. Your mood changes. Your body changes. The level of of aliveness that you experience every day changes. All of it changes, all of it. So I hope that if you came into this episode thinking, oh man, what am I gonna do about lover goddesses? This is gonna be a waste of my time. I hope (laughs) that I've at least given you enough about them to bring your mind and your body and your energetic space into a state of openness, a state of curiosity. I'm not asking you to to drink the Kool-Aid or to buy in to anything that you feel skeptical about ever, 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 ever. But I am asking you to walk into this 
with an open mind. Walk into it with a sense of curiosity. Walk into it with your body open, with your energetic centers open, with, with this guy, this, this, this mind, with the mental realm relaxed, right? Just relaxed and not in that constant state of stress that the thing is always in or that constant state of overwhelm like I can't possibly take any more in when we start to open up to feminine that is the absolute an- an- antithesis I don't even know if that's the right word antagonist antithesis it's the opposite of what allows us to open what allows us to awaken to these places in self, what allows us to soften in to that feminine wisdom, into that feminine energy, into, and, and that feminine energy isn't weak. It, it's, so when I say the word soften, it's not a weak, it is a wild. It is a wild monster of an energy that we're opening up to. It is, it is a ferocity and an intensity beyond anything that you've experienced. When I talk about opening up to Shakti, I will often use this expression. So when I talk about opening up to the fullness of the feminine, right? The fullness, all, all six faces of the feminine. And you can look, about, look that up on our website, the six different faces. It's the lover is just one of them. And that's what we're exploring today. And there's five others. But when you look at opening up to the fullness of the feminine, all six of those faces and all 10 of the archetypes that are held in all six of those faces or however many archetypes it is, it is like sitting on a fire hydrant of juice. Like imagine a fire hydrant, you know, one of those red fire hydrants that sits on the ground, you open up, you take the top off, you turn the thing on and it is just a fire hydrant, just a fountain of water pouring out. That's what this is like. So what if, if you've, got the impression like, meh, opening up to my feminine, meh, that's, that's weak and that's going to make me vulnerable and it's going to make me not safe and it's going to make me soft and it's going to make me just be bowled over by the world. Wrong. Wrong. That is not the feminine. That's not even close to the feminine. That is like one one thousandth of her full expression. So, Opening up to all of them, the fullness of Shakti, the fullness of the feminine, you're sitting on a fire hydrant. The reason that we work with the different faces is so that we can drink the water, right? Like if you're trying to drink water out of a fire hydrant, you, you, you can't even get it in, right? It's just blasting you. And so when you narrow them down, right? And you narrow it down to just the lover, Like, let's look at the lover. Now it's like drinking out of a water fountain that's been made to to drink out of, right? Instead of a fire hydrant that's been made to put a fire hose on and put out a building that's burning down. So to narrow it down further, you go into the specific archetype held within that face right? And that's what I want to open us up to today. That's what I want to explore today are these 10 threads of Shakti, 10 different 
goddesses that are held within the face of the lover. That's it, right? So it's giving us a way to drink the water, to open up to that thread of Shakti within us, that particular thread of energy, whether that be our Medusa thread, or it be our Mary Magdalene thread, or it be our Venus thread. That's why we do this. It's profound. It's intense. It's wild. It's not for everybody. It's not. I will also be the first person to say that the feminine awakening path is not everybody's cup of tea. It is not, because it is about full embodiment of divinity. It's not about going out and touching divinity and sitting in a cave quietly, oming and eyeing until I can transcend myself out into a place that feels like divinity. It's about the whole of our bodies become a vessel of the divine. That's the feminine path. That's the path of the priestess, right? And priestess is another triggery word for everybody. Goddess, priestess, we start like floating all around and getting all weird. So get rid of that, right? Think about embodiment, embodiment. You are the embodiment of the divine, the embodiment of the divine. Mary Magdalene, Mary Magdalene. Think Mary Magdalene, feel into Mary Magdalene. She's one of the six that we're going to talk about. All right. So there are six primary lover archetypes that we work with in rewilding. We could do eight or 10 or 12, but for us and for these purposes, we have six. And I have promised to go into these six. There's four that are also lover archetypes, but they sit under other faces. And for us in rewilding, they are more of a dark goddess, let's say, than a lover. So they sit more under one of these other faces of the feminine than they sit under the lover. So that's why I kind of have four archetypal energies or four goddesses that are um, like sub, sub archetypes of the lover. And I'll, I'll touch on those. Hopefully I'll just at least, I'll at least mention them depending on how much time we have. But the six that I want to go into before I go into them, I actually want to just say there could be 10. There are more lover goddesses than these six. These six are the six that I have been initiated into. Um, they are the six that I feel um, confident working with. I feel that I have this sounds strange, but I feel that I have been given per permission um, to work with them. Um, I, there's been, I know this sounds a little bit crazy, but I think it's good to give the backstory in case you're wondering like, oh, who the hell are you, Sabrina, to introduce me to Aphrodite? And then sometimes the other question is, well, why don't you work with Freya? Or why don't you work with this goddess? Or, or what, are you prejudiced against the, the, the Celtic goddesses? No. No, I have respect and admiration and, and, and appreciation for every archetypal energy on the planet. Every one of them. I just know that there are 40 for me, which is a lot. There are 40 that I have a relationship with in myself 
I have a relationship to a degree that I'm able to speak about them. I'm able to bring them out into the world. I'm able to open the door to them. Um, and, and some of them, it's a really intense kind of process to get to that place, especially especially the, like the dark goddesses and the ones that really bring up all the rubble and the ones that there's, a, there's always a process for, for me to work through um, to, in order to get permission to, to do this. Um, and that's really all I can say about that. So if there's a goddess that I'm not sharing here that you know is a lover and you are totally connected to, I am so respectful of that and I honor that and I, I'm really grateful for that. And maybe someday that particular um, archetypal energy will come into rewilding and maybe not. Um, so with that kind of covered and honored and, and appreciated, let's talk about the six that are a part of rewilding, that are a part um, of this conversation. And the first one that I want to talk about is, is, a, is a great doorway in, um, great doorway in, beautiful doorway in, and that's Venus Aphrodite. Uh, we, are, we are all so very aware of Venus Aphrodite, um, whether we're conscious of it or not. Venus, the planet Venus, is what is linked to Venus Aphrodite, the archetype of her. She is... So from the start of our conversation, remember we talked about um, lower archetypes and then we talked about upper archetypes. So Venus Aphrodite is one of the lower archetypes. So lower archetypes means that they're more accessible. They're also more human-y. It doesn't take as much of a high state of consciousness to get into them. Their wisdom, their insights, it's very valuable. So also don't start to think like, oh, well, screw these lower archetypes. I want the high stuff. Um, they're important and they're valuable and they hold healing capacity for us. So let me just talk about Venus Aphrodite in a way of what could she bring to you? Um, why work with Venus Aphrodite? And you feel, so as I go through these six, here's an opportunity to practice, to feel into what's singing to you, what's opening, who are you called to work with, right? And, and just allow whatever to happen. Maybe one of these archetypal energies will just reach out, grab you by the scruff of the neck and say, hey, you're, you're, you're mine. Like, you're mine. I'm, I'm wanting to awaken something in you. I'm wanting to heal something in you. I'm wanting to open in you. I'm, I'm, I'm one of those dormant energies. We talk about repressed, repressed places in self, hidden places, shadow places, repressed feminine, rise of the feminine, reclamation of the feminine. This is it. This is it. Um, and they can come out like that, like, hey, 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 pick me, pick me, pick me. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. You're ready. You're ready. You're ready for me. You're ready. So get your shit together and start. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, let's start doing some practices together here. You're ready. You're ready to open up. You're ready to reclaim this part of self. That's, that's really what it is. So this is an opportunity for you to get in a good space right? Don't do this in a state of overwhelm. Don't listen to this in a state of overwhelm. Don't listen to it while doing 10 other things. It's totally irrelevant and totally useless if you're going to be on the phone, texting, doing your work, and listening to this at the same time. It's just a waste. It's a waste of time. Um, so I'm going to encourage you, like, do this. Do it. 
What have you got to lose? Even if you have no desire to open up to goddesses and you're still feeling like you're skeptical, give it a go. Give it a chance. And, and you've got to get your body in the right place, your energetics in the right place, your head in the right place in order to give it a chance, right? All right, so why work with Venus Aphrodite? What does she bring to us? Goddess of love, goddess of beauty, right? She opens hearts. Very much about the body, right? Body, owning our beauty, being okay with our beauty. Um, she will, a lot of times when we work with her, um, she can help us to love parts of ourselves that we have a difficult time loving. Like I'm going for my hip here, which is hilarious. I'm already going there. Um, like I have, I have like stretch marks, right? On my, on my hips. And so there's like a love that she brings to that. Like love this temple, love those stretch marks, love, love that area. Like why wouldn't you love this thing? Why wouldn't you love this thing? She opens us up to our sensual nature. So sen sensuality, sexuality. She opens us up to love. She definitely beauty. What is our relationship to beauty? What is your relationship to your own beauty? What is your relationship to beauty in the outside world? What is your relationship to those aspects of the feminine, right? What is your relationship to that sensual side of the feminine? There's an allure to Venus Aphrodite, right? There's a magnetism to her. So when she creates in the world, she isn't pushing something to happen. She's magnetizing it in. She's attracting it in. So she's really good for manifesting, right? Really good for manifesting is, is Venus Aphrodite. So she'll open that in you. She'll awaken that in you. Um, the ability to just enjoy and be playful. There's a playful flirtatious nature to her, right? She's, she likes to dance the polarities of the feminine, the masculine, the flirting, you know, just the let's, let's, let's play. Let's play with the energies. Let's have fun. It makes you feel good. It makes me feel good. It, it pulls out your, it pulls out your masculine. It pulls out, pulls out my feminine, my beauty, my radiance, right? That, that's Venus Aphrodite. So can you feel how, how beautiful she is and how useful she is? There's a magic to her that is a, hmm, kind of has to do with the allure of her and the magnetism of her and her ability to make that manifest. The, uh, the aspect that I'm trying to talk about, it's, it's a real like magical gift that she has of altering the world via her love. Um, altering, and, and this is where she can go shadow, right? There's always shadow to all of them. We can always misuse the power, uh, manipulate with it. And you can probably start to feel where I'm going, some of you. Um, is she can use her beauty and her charm and her magnetism to make things happen, to get what she wants, right? That's that manifesting capacity, but very much in relation to other human beings, to, to the masculine, right? She can, and even with the feminine, um, she has profound effects over the feminine and profound effects over the masculine. And it's with love, with her, her love, like if I can induce love in you, like if I induce love in you, I can induce love in you in a way that inspires you to be your, your fullness. Or I can induce love in you that is for needy little 
wounded parts of myself. Do you feel that? Can you, can you feel the difference, right? Ah, I know, I know. Just check in with yourself. This is a really good time to get real and go, okay, I'm a, I'm a Venusian woman. And some of us are and some of us aren't. So again, feel for these. And for some of us, it's like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Venusian woman. I definitely have that capacity. Definitely got that capacity. But I know what it feels like to be in the high expression of Venus, where I'm inducing love and desire out of your soul's good, out of your highest good. It's in my highest good, it's in your highest good. Versus knowing what it feels like to be like needy little, um, I just, I need attention, I'm wounded, I'm hurt, and so I'm gonna induce love just to make myself feel better, right? Right? And then that person ends up getting hurt. It's really not even fulfilling. Do you see what, do you see how that feels, right? There's the high expression and then there's a lower little self-expression. So the soul expression versus the lower little self-expression. Okay, so that's Venus Aphrodite. Could talk about her for another 10 hours. I could talk about all of them for another 10 hours. So letting that go. So just breathing, letting that go, letting that sink in, giving a couple seconds here to just shift gears. We're going to let her go. And then we're going to move up an octave, right? So you know how I started out saying, okay, here's lower archetypal realm, and then let's move up to upper archetypal realm. So Aphrodite, Venus here, lower archetypal realm. Now if we move up, we can springboard from her up into a higher state of consciousness into a higher archetypal energy, and that would be the energy of Mary Magdalene. So that's the energy of sacred love. So sacred love. Now you can start to feel there's a purity here with Mary Magdalene that wasn't necessarily there with Aphrodite Venus. There's a divinity here. There's a sacredness here. There's there's a higher vibratory essence here with Mary Magdalene. Can you, can you feel it? Just, just feel, feel, feel into what is sacred love. So it's sacred love. I, I'm, I'm now loving solely for your soul. I, I am loving you in a way that solely supports your soul. I'm loving you in a way that solely supports my, my soul, my soul. It's high love, it's high love. It's the ability of Mary Magdalene to watch her beloved on a cross, to watch her beloved be persecuted, to watch her beloved be killed in front of her eyes, knowing, yeah, it was, it was horrible and it was heartbreaking, but knowing knowing somewhere, somewhere deep in her, that that was soul path. That was soul truth. And being able to love at that height, love at that height, love through that, love to that degree, right? That's a different essence. That's a higher essence. That is a higher energy. And that takes more work to get to that place oftentimes, right? It's it takes rising, raising our vibration 
to a higher state in order to embody Mary Magdalene, right? In order to embody the Mary Magdalene essence, in order to live that love, in order to let that love radiate out of us. And that's what they do. They open us up so that we can radiate that love, right? So, so to radiate that love out, out of us, stunning, stunning. So Mary Magdalene, working with Mary Magdalene, Mary Magdalene is a spiritual quest. It is a spiritual journey. It is high love. Um, it is anointings. It is sacred foot washing, right? It's, it's the, the feminine path of the mystics, like loving the lepers. Like I can love, I can love the atrocities in the world. I can love, I can love humanity despite it breaking my heart. I can love the man who's hanging my beloved on the cross. I can love you. I can see the deepest truth in that, right? Yeah. Not easy, not easy, naughty. I told you this path is not for everybody. I told you the feminine path is not an easy path. It will break your heart over and over and over, but your capacity to love, your capacity to feel, your capacity to know will be something that far outweighs the heartbreak. Um, yeah, I know. Oh, I know. All right. We got to keep going. We've got a lot more to get through. Who's number three on my list? Oh, why do I have her next? Huh. I like how I chose this list and now it doesn't even, who knows. Actually, I can feel why I have her next. So within Mary Magdalene, there was an essence of, of prostitute, right? Of essence, right? That's part of, her, it's part of her myth. Part of her story is that she was a prostitute and there's this essence of sacred prostitute held in Mary Magdalene. Sacred, sacred prostitute. She was a whore, the, the holy whore, the divine whore. There's that essence held there. We don't often feel that essence when we work with her archetypal energy, though. We can if we just kind of steer um, our intention and our focus and open that door to that aspect. But there's a sexuality component to Mary Magdalene. And the reason I have this next goddess next is because she's also up here in an upper archetypal realm, but she kind of shifts over out of sacred lover, which is what I would consider Mary Magdalene, would be more heart, more love than anything. And then we can shift over, staying in this upper archetypal realm, we can shift over from the fourth chakra, the heart space, into the second chakra, the sexual center. So staying up here at this very high vibration, right? Very high vibration, moving from heart into sexuality. So goddess of sacred sexuality, Lolita, Lolita. Yeah, Lolita, she brings, she brings the sacred into the whole of our bodies. She brings the sacred right down into our yoni, right into our womb, right into our sexual expression. She brings the sacred. She opens the doors. You want to talk sacred sexuality? You talk Lolita. You want to talk making love with the divine? You talk Lolita. You want to talk creating 
right? Divine creation, creating divinity. You talk Laliti, making love with the divine in order to create from that place, right? Being, being, I'm going to use this word because it's a good word to use when we use it in the right essence. It's being fucked by the divine masculine right? It's opening, surrendering open to the divine masculine, taking the whole of the divine masculine into our bodies, right? Straight up through our yoni, straight up into the whole of our bodies. That's Lolita. That's Lolita's gift is the opening up of the fullness of the sacredness of our sexuality, opening us up to the gifts that are there, the gifts that are at the heights of sexuality, the gifts that maybe 0.000001% of the population has ever even touched, right? The stuff that you can't even find in the tantric texts because we are so incredibly distorted around our sexuality and we have lots of purifying to do, lots of work, lots of shadow work to do, lots of healing, lots of letting go of all the wounds in order to really, truly, fully embody Lolita. But working with her opens up our capacity to do that, ignites our ability to make love with the world, right? To walk through the world making love. It's bliss. How much bliss can you handle? How much pleasure can you handle? You're not having orgasms? It's because you're not, your capacity for pleasure, your capacity to open, capacity to trust. Orgasms are a lot about trust. Pleasure is a lot about trust. It's a lot about also being okay to feel being okay to cry, right? We can't experience the heights, the, the bliss, the pleasure without also being open to the lows, right? The, the tears, the rage, the grief. One doesn't come without the other, but it's our, it's our full capacity to feel, full capacity to open. So Lolita, upper archetypal realm, sacred sexuality, high sexuality. That is when you are making love to your partner and they are the divine. You are, make, you are fucking the divine masculine. You are taking the divine masculine into your body. I don't care if you're a man, a woman, if you're having sex with a man or a woman or 10 people or whatever, it doesn't matter. It's the energetics of it. They become the divine masculine. You become the divine feminine as Lolita. And you make love in that state, those heights of purity, those heights of sacred sexuality. Stunning, glorious, not super easy to get to, right? She's upper archetypal realm, and we also hold a lot of stuff in our wombs, a lot of stuff in our sexual centers, but trusting, trusting what's arising for you as we talk about these lover goddesses. All right, moving on. We're only on number three. Um, who do I have as four? Oh, yes, we're shifting over. So we've just talked about goddesses who are not necessarily wife archetypes, right? So Venus Aphrodite, not a wife. She had many, 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 many lovers. Mary Magdalene, not a wife, possibly a wife. We don't really know, but the myth, the energetics around her, whore, right? Yep. Lolita, not a wife. They do not have 
wife energy in them. That's why I went, see, I did do this order correctly. I love it. So now we're gonna shift over and talk a tiny little bit more about the wife archetypes. I don't have to talk a lot about them because I started out talking about the thread of the wife. So we talked about Juno. We talked about how she is lower archetypal realm of, of wife, the wisdom to learn there. So I shared a bit about this at the start and I'll share a tiny little bit more here because I want to be conscious of time for us. But she gives us the wisdom to, to do partnership, right? To do a marriage of sorts, wise, healthy, Right, so it's Juno can show us healthy boundaries, can show us healthy ways of doing the dance in partnership, the partnership dance, the marriage dance, how to be full, this is an interesting one, how to be full within the confines, how to be our allness within the confines of a structure like marriage, within the confines of a structure like being pregnant. So she was also known as um, goddess of pregnant women. So how to be full within the constructs of growing a child in your belly. How to be full within the constructs of, of a marriage, of a family life. So there's a lot of wisdom here. There's a lot of, um, um, there's a lot of, what do I want to explain? Uh, ra radiance, radiance that comes with her and there's a lot of deep respect for what it is that family creates, for what it is that partnership brings to us, for what it is that marriage brings to us. So it's really this, she oftentimes can show us respect where almost like our society is kind of losing some of that respect for what it is that marriage can bring and marriage can give. Um, and she opens the door to that. So it's beautiful. She's stunning. I'll kind of leave it at that. And then we'll go up an octave. So I talked about her at the start as well. So if Juno is lower archetypal realm, and then we take it up to upper archetypal realm along that same thread of wife, we move into Parvati. Parvati takes it up to a whole nother realm of the sacred, a whole nother realm of divine expression. And that is the expression of sacred union, right? Of sacred marriage, divine marriage. It goes up, up another level. So Parvati will take us into... <laughs> You cannot work with Parvati authentically, deeply, for any period of time without her bringing the union of the masculine and the feminine within, up, right? Without her opening up the, your own union of the divine masculine and the divine feminine in self, right? So she opens up the wholeness of self. There is there is a union happening. There is a marriage in myself of my masculine with my feminine. It's a whole. I am whole human. I am whole, right? I am whole. And I meet other. So now we start to talk about how that expresses in our lives and in the world and in our relationships. So when I meet other, I meet them in their wholeness. So I come in as whole. They come in as whole. And then we dance like, well, what part of the wholeness do you want to dance? What part do I want to dance? Like, I'll, yeah, I'll dance 
I'll dance the, the masculine today. You dance the feminine because I have all of it in me. I have, I have access to all of it in me. And the nature of my vibration, because I have all of that in me, I will attract someone who has all of it in them, right? So I will dance this aspect, you dance that aspect. We create the polarity between the masculine and the feminine. There's that polarity, right? That's what creates attraction. That's what causes the friction, the heat, the intensity, the passion, the romance. And then we dance that dance. We dance that dance at the heights, at the heights. So she is also very divine expression, very divine expression of the feminine. Um, very high, very high. There's sexuality to her, but it's not a Lolita sexuality. It's, a, it's more of a wife, a wife sexuality. There is wife. There is this, there is this deep commitment to one to one person that comes with Parvati. Or there's deep commitment to self with Parvati. Like I am deeply committed to self or I am deeply committed to the divine. I'm deeply committed to Christ energy. I'm deeply committed to Shiva. I'm deeply committed to that energy. But I also know that I am all of it. I am, I am both. So I know that I am that as well. I am, I am whole. So she really brings that sacred union in ourselves. She really brings us into, into sacred union within self and within our world and within our relationship. It's, she is she's stunning um, and she's a very mature archetype. So I see a lot of similarities between Mary Magdalene and Parvati and you can probably see them or feel them as well and you can link um, and kind of feel different threads, right, from different traditions. So we're working in the Christian tradition mixed with the Indian pantheon, mixed with the Greco-Roman. Lots of these goddesses, they're just energies out in, out in the world. And we've, we've created myths and we've created ways to access these energies and to open them up in ourselves. And so you'll see crossover. You'll see lots of crossover. You'll see the myths, are the, they're the same myth. It's the same story in many different cultures, told in many different languages, but it's the same one. Um, it's our psyche. It was our, it was our way of understanding human psyche. And now it's a tool for us to open up to our psyches. It's a tool for us to heal and to awaken. Um, I'm gonna stop going off on that tangent because we have one more to get through. And that's psyche. Um, it's interesting that I left her as last to talk about with the lovers. Psyche, oh, she's so linked to Persephone and Persephone fits in the other four. So Persephone is a sub, sub lover. But let's talk about Psyche on her own first. So working with Psyche, Psyche is so much about the feminine journey. It's like the heroine's journey of the lover. It's, it's like the heroine's journey of, of opening up to our capacity to love in this life, to be in relationship in this life, to, I love Psyche because it's like we take these upper archetypal realms, we take all of these esoteric energies and Psyche, it's like she's bringing it into, into our world. And it's our struggle 
to bring it into our world, to bring it into the physical, to make it manifest. And her myth is really a struggle. Um, it's really the myth of, of, they'll talk about jealousy and then they, and, and her sisters were jealous of her love for Eros. Eros is her, um, is her consort, is her lover. Um, their jealousy sparked her to then question her love, her lover, and question his, his truth and his authenticity. And then there was a betrayal because of the jealousy, right? Can you start to feel the humanist? By the way, she's a lower, she's a lower archetypal energy. You can probably tell, right? There's not this like, way up here, high vibration. Now we're starting to get into like the mucky muck. Um, and that's what I like about her is that they call her goddess of the soul. And for me, it's part of her gift to us is, all right, I'm, I'm going to bring this into the world. That's part of Psyche's gift is I'm going to bring this into the world. I'm not just going to go out and do Mary Magdalene practices and it's going to be all beautiful when I'm doing anointing ceremonies in sacred women's circle. I'm actually coming back into my life and I'm going to love like this and I'm going to battle through the fact that half the world is jealous of a beautiful relationship. I'm just making that up. Um, I'm going to battle through the fact that there are betrayals, that I, I feel like my lover betrayed me. And then I betrayed my lover. I'm going to battle through that, right? And, and then there's these other challenges. And there were challenges that she had to face of, look, if you want to be with your lover, you're going to have to go into the underworld. Well, what does the underworld represent? It's our shadow. It's our shadow self. And so that's us going into the depths of our shadow and, and reclaiming pieces of our hidden, of our hidden. Well, all right, let me reclaim this piece. Let me reclaim this piece of my hidden. Can I... Can I be in relationship while doing this? Can I be in relationship, right? Goddess of the soul, can I honor my soul and be in relationship? How do I do that? That's psyche. That's part of the gift of psyche. That's what she helps us, shows us to work through and how to do that, how to be in this sacred union, how to work through a tantric relationship, how to work through soulmate relationship, how to work through twin flame relationship. In, 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 in our human form, honoring our soul, honoring that other person's soul, honoring sacred union, honoring sacred sexuality, and, and bringing it in, like, br making it manifest, bringing it into these human bodies. To me, that's, that's psyche. To me, that's part of the gift of working with psyche. Um, all right, so those are the six main lover archetypes that we work with in Rewilding. By the way, the reason that we're doing this is because we launched the online lover workshop. Yeah, so if you wanna do some of this lover stuff, um, not just talk about the goddesses, I know this is, I try to make these um, informative and also there is of course an energetic transmission that's coming through, but when you, when you are saying like, yeah, I wanna dive into the embodiment of these. Like I'm, I'm, I wanna work with the Shakti and open up to these practices. What are they? How do I do that? Online Lover Workshop is a great place to start. It's 47 bucks. Um, and it opens up to that face of the lover, opens up to that face. And you can work with any of the archetypes within the energetic practices and within the transmissions of, of what it is that we do in that workshop. So 
really quickly the other four that I just want to share their names with you so that you're aware of who they are. So these are the four sub-lovers that also fit into the face of the lover. Um, it's Persephone. So Persephone is like psyche, but dark goddess, right? So it's, it's similar psyche journey, but now we're really doing shadow work. So Persephone is more of a dark goddess than she is a lover. She's both. I mean, she's really, really both. But I would put her in dark goddess over putting her in lover. But really, essentially, we could put them in both. Um, so Persephone is Hades or Pluto's consort. And so that's the reclamation of the dark lover. Really, Persephone is the, is the dark lover. Um, really, that aspect of self, the shadow, the hidden. Um, how, how do I open to that and sexual goddess beyond belief. Um, so that's Persephone. Medusa is another dark goddess, but very much linked to the lover in us specifically. I shouldn't say specifically. Um, very much about us taking off false masks and really opening up to our sexuality and our relationship to the masculine uh, without a mask on. So it's really being able to come into a place of trust. Where do we want to turn the masculine to stone? Where are we holding um, hidden rage, hidden pain from just patriarchal dominance over the last however many thousands of years that we've been in? Um, there's, that's in our DNA, that's, that's held in us. So Medusa, oftentimes will open that door to release some of that repressed anger, that repressed rage, um, that repressed pain that sits deep within the feminine. That's what all of the dark goddesses do. They're called dark goddesses because they take us into the hidden parts, into the shadow. That's shadow work. And then the last two are Lilith and Isis. So Lilith, another dark goddess. Um, there's a podcast on Lilith if you're interested. She is stunning and intense and a lot of shadow work with her. That's big reclamation of hidden. That's big reclamation of feminine sexuality and wildness. So wild woman with relation to the masculine, wild woman with relation to our sexuality, wild woman um, with relation to uh, specifically with relation to um, what's, what's there having been oppressed, having been repressed, having been um, abused, having it, like they really open up the door to what's hidden um, in our past life territory, in our karmas, in our family lines, in our experiences in this life. Um, Lilith is another dark goddess. So those three are dark goddesses. And then there's Isis, and I'm not going to talk about her, but I put her a mystic. I put her in mystic more so than lover. Of course she was lover. Um, she's divine lover. She's glorious. But to me, there's this high mystical energy about her, this priestess energy about her, this mat. She's got so much damn magic, right? Sex magic. You want to talk sex magic? You talk Isis. Um, massive sex magic. Lots of sexual healing with Isis. Um, but I would put her in the mystic category before I would put her in lover. But she is just as much of a lover. Sacred sexuality, um, union, very much like Parvati, where it's um, the honoring of the masculine and the feminine, the, kind of that androgyny. Uh, she opens the door to that. She's just, she is a mystic. She is magical. She is divinity. Um, that's how I would summarize her. So those are the six lovers. And then those are the four sub-lovers. They're all 
they all open different doors within us. Um, right now, we have workshops and online experiences that will take you into the six faces. So you could go into the mystic, you could go into the dark goddess, you could go into the lover. We don't have archetypal workshops out yet. We do the archetypal workshops in Inner Circle. That's, um, that's the group that I work with specifically, that we just work together um, every two weeks. We do new workshops. We do a new archetype. Um, that's always open. That's always available to join us to journey through the archetypes there. We do a different one or oftentimes two different ones each month. And so that's a way, if archetypes are singing to you, that's a way to do that. Um, and also starting with one of the faces is a really great way to start to move into the archetypes as well. Um, so yeah, that's a way to, to dive in a little bit more. Um, I have loved, I have loved this episode. I've loved sharing it here. Um, for those of you who are on the live and we had those horrible Wi-Fi uh, experiences and are now here on the podcast. <laughs> Thank you for hanging in and for making it over to this platform um, versus the live platform. Um, next episode, don't know what our topic's going to be, but super excited um, for this format of, of podcasting and being on YouTube, which is new and fun and who knows where that's going to go. Um, but if you've got topic suggestions, super happy to hear them. Just go to our website, contact us page. You can pop in topic suggestions or questions that you might like to have answered in a podcast. Um, also, if this is probably the, the, the greatest thing that you could do um, for me for rewilding is if you enjoy this, if there's something that you gain from the show and you know other people who might gain something from rewilding or from these lover goddesses or from any of our other episodes, please share. Um, please share the show. That's really the best way of thanking us um, if you feel to thank us um, in some way. Also, I do always like to say thank you to those who support Rewilding. Um, all of you who do the online workshops, like all of you who just dove into the Lover workshop, it's your support that allows us to do this podcast. So really, you're our sponsors. Um, those of you who are in mystery school and are coming on the Canada retreat, by the way, there's one spot for the Canada retreat, and there's now one spot for the U.S. retreat. Ah, no. Um, uh, all of you who are coming to live events and doing online programs, it's you who sponsor because we don't we don't have advertisers. Um, it's it's you. Uh, so super grateful for that and just the co-creation of all of this. Uh, and I wish you so much love and and journey and safe journeys, beautiful journeys, wild journeys, big journeys. Um, if you're journeying into the archetypes or journeying with us into some of the faces. Um, yeah, and I will see you in our next episode. So much love. Mwah.